Do you remember the old Southwest planes? They had chairs that faced forward and then chairs that faced back. Yeah. So it was like sense, a yeah. 70s sunken living room sort of design choice to like b- promote social interaction on the airplane. Yeah. And this was also at a time when all the flight attendants were stewardesses and ah. when all the shoes were go-go boots. If you see some of those pictures of Southwest in the 70s. Oh, yeah. They were swinging. Oh, yeah. You could smoke. Yeah. Can you imagine smoking on an airplane? Yeah. I feel like I've been on a plane when I was much younger that yeah. had the ashtrays and the armrest. What, yeah. What, what were you taking? Pan Am? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> had my fedora. <laughs> Going to Cuba to destabilize the government. All the light was kind of yellow. People don't know that about, about that time. Journos, a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Happy New Year, Brandon. It is a new year. It is the year 2023. Thank you, Stephen, and to you. I hope you had a delightful uh, New Year's time. You know, I did. Uh, it was the first one with my child, Jasper. So that was super cute and fun. Um, kind of did at you every give turn. him the big glasses that say 2023? Yeah, man. And he, sta- he stayed up a little late. Well, girl, How are you? What's up? Just got back from my home state of Texas. Yep. I was there for the last week. It's, yeah, I had a good time in Texas. There were some absolutely outrageous hijinks with my family. As happens with people who have family in Texas, mm. tends to touch on politics. Well, that's no ways. problem for you because you're just lockstep. <laughs> that's right. You get back yeah. and it's like you guys are finishing each other's sentences and stuff, right? We're finishing each other's yeah, Nazi marches. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That's what we came here to talk about today. Well, we came here to talk about talking. We did. We did. Discussion. About that an exchange correct. of ideas, right? Yep. That's what we're here for. Here, the first episode of Journos 2023. Hey, I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. You're Stephen. Hey. No middle name provided, Jackson. My name's Stephen Jackson, man. Right. Stop asking questions. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we came to talk about talking, and it's actually a bit of a trending topic right now. Uh, there's been a bit of a debacle. Uh, in the House of Representatives running these votes on the House floor to determine who would be the GOP majority. Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, finally made it in, although the position itself has been extremely watered down because he had to make all sorts of concessions to the psychotic wing of his party. So anyways, they're activists. They're activists. They're just just, they're like Glenn Beck. They're just asking questions. But, you know, speaking of punditry, it was really interesting and funny to watch the right wing media sort of spin this total shit show into something positive or something that they they saw as positive, where the party line was essentially like, hey, this is what democracy looks like, man. This is like messy. You know, it's hard. And it was just such an obvious example of subterfuge and propaganda bullshit. The idea that I know we've brought up on the show once or twice is that journalism is in a state of flux. That idea underpins the entire concept of the show. We're analyzing what journalism is doing right, what it's doing wrong, how it's mm-hmm. failing, how it's succeeding, and importantly, what other forms journalism takes, right? It has to evolve, even if the business model goes away for the most part people still are going to need the news in some form. So what does that look like? And so yeah. we think of ourselves here, journalists, as 
sort of a laboratory for experiments in journalism, journo experiments. Yeah. yeah, and uh, another thing that we like to do is is think about where where you can find journalism in unexpected places. What are those nooks and crannies? Yeah, the where... slime molds that when you turn over a rock, there's something wriggling around, and you there say you that's go. journalism. That's it's a new all... kind of journalism. Yep, it's the roly poly version. Yes. Yeah, so what we're here to talk about is a new initiative. Stephen, here at it Jernos. is. Yep, indeed. It's kind of like straight out of the Skunk Works wing of mm-hmm. the Journos Enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's a little thing that we are calling Journos as a service. Journos as a service. Yep. So Journos as a service is again a new initiative in which we, Brandon and I, who are journalists, are offering up our services, not unlike a film noir private detective to other podcasts in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very investigation heavy. We use our expertise for the benefit of other podcasts. And maybe not just podcasts. We could be offering it to other folks who want to be on our podcast with their problems. Yep. It's all an experiment. And frankly, this is the early days of it. So for this, the first episode of 2023, we are partnering with one of our favorite podcasts. We Got This with Mark and Hal. It's a great show. Love those guys. I've known them for years. It's a show in which Mark and Hal take a subject and really try and figure out what, in fact, is the best condiment or Marvel <laughs> character. And they hash it out and they come up with an answer. And the whole thing is predicated on respectful debate, keen questioning, all of this stuff. So in this episode, we talked to them about their show and about how they got started. And it's going to end with them presenting us with a mystery that we're going to help them resolve on their show. So without further ado, here's Mark and Hal. Hi, fellas. Hey, guys. Hello. I'm just going to drop right in. Just going to drop right into it. Go yeah. right in. This Who's is exciting that? to be on your show. I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You guys are great. I love the show. We work so hard, you know, and if I could take a few minutes to talk about that. Please. No. No. Uh we are extremely glad that you guys are here because we have been talking about having you on the show and doing a secret special crossover project. But before we get to that, let's uh, let's introduce you as Mark Gagliardi and Hal Lublin of the show. We got this. Hi, fellas. Hello, journos. Hi. Hey. Yeah, we're so excited to have you guys on. And we know you guys, but maybe some other people tuning in for the first time. Uh, don't. So maybe tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do, what you're up to. Sure. Uh, we're both uh, actors and comedians and we met, geez, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago when Mark was here, uh, had just moved here, like within the first week he moved to LA. Uh, and for years we were part of the thrilling adventure hour together. That is where we did the bulk of our work, but knew each other well before that. And when that regular show came to an end and, and we knew that, that the end was nigh, I I thought like, oh, I, there's got to be a project. This feels like a good time to start something because we have a built-in audience. Mark and I don't really, like, we didn't really work directly together on Thrilling at all. No, because you were always narrating. I was always uh, narrating. All of, the different, all of the different segments. We weren't even in the same spot on the stage because yes. you had what was affectionately referred to as the Hal mic. That's right. And if we got near it, there was like a bug zapper that didn't affect Hal, <laughs> but affected everybody else. But uh, I, I wanted to start something and I knew I wanted to work with Mark. So I pitched him the idea of of something that was the exact opposite of doing a, a radio show and characters mm-hmm. like let's be us and talk and 
to to me like really what we got this with Mark and Hal is about more so than than making the decision is giving people the feeling that they're backstage at Thrilling Adventure Hour with us. Like what what yeah. is that conversation like? And I think that's when our show is at its best is like this is just this is these are the conversations you're having with your friends. We're having them too. And you're going to listen to them and be extremely frustrated that we can't hear you. Yeah. And for those who don't know what uh, who haven't heard what our premise of the show is, is we settle uh, pointless debates is the premise of the show, which I love because we the the tongue in cheek element of it is one of my favorite parts of it, because we determine in every episode we are the experts. We set it up. Uh, you know, we we do a little bit of research. We have a researcher named Kate McManus, who's amazing, who does. So we are sort of inch deep, mile wide experts on a lot of different topics. Um, but the way that the show is set up, the tongue in cheek of it is we determine the correct answer. Should you hang your toilet paper overhand or underhand, as an example, once and for all definitively for all time, for all people. Um, and that the game that being the game of the show. Um, I think is really fun and is it makes for it weirdly raises the stakes for us in the moment <laughs> because like it is these are arbitrary decisions. We are not these experts, but we play these experts and it in the and knowing that this is not going to be actually for all people for all time, but we have to treat it like it is going to be a decision made like we're the Supreme Court for all people for all time. And there are moments where we will get heated and we will we will like actually be angry by the end of an episode. And uh, <laughs> fans of the show do not like that. Why? Uh, no. Yeah. They want Why are the parents along? fighting? Yeah. Yeah. They don't like us. They don't like yeah. us fighting. They don't like yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's Twitter. It's half yeah. Twitter, yeah. but it's Basically, it's all. Twitter with but, kindness, with kindness, and, usually and, and hopefully. And at least yeah. you're like uh, aware of the fact that you are not the be all end all decision makers on this thing. And so I think right. that's maybe that's that's what also elevates and makes the game so cool is because it, it almost points out how absurd it is that other people are acting like they are so sure yeah. about certain things. But they only know a little bit about. It. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the amount of information we have access to now. And concurrently, which I think has helped given rise to the culture of opinion, where opinion, like what I think about something is, is that's how my voice needs to be heard. I'm not really informing you. I'm saying like French's is the best mustard, fight me or prove me wrong. <laughs> like I'm, I'm welcoming this debate and I'm so entrenched in this tiny little piece of minutia that I care so much about. Mm -hmm. And the, the like I'm sitting here listening to you talk about it and thinking like, oh, well, the reason why we're doing that and the reason why people do that is we're aware now with all the information out there of how much we don't know. So it's so important to say the things that we think and the opinions we have are, those are our facts now. That's how we trade in in fact is like, this is the best pizza place. Yeah. This is how you hang your toilet paper. This is the type of soap you should use. And so we're kind of mocking that, but also giving into, like you can't help if we don't care about something we're talking about, it's not fun to talk about. Yeah. yeah. One of our lines that we use in promoting the show is that we are providing objective answers to subjective questions. Mm -hmm. But we know that that is we know that it's a fictional version of that. Yeah. That we're doing. It's you know? not the actual drunk uncle at Thanksgiving. 
objectively answering a subjective question. (laughs) And that's a big part of what we wanted to have you on the show and to talk about today really Mm -hmm. was to understand a bit more about your process of kind of playing this game week in, week out, and in what it really means to uh, try to approach an objective truth about a purely entirely subjective um, topic. It's it, it, there is so much information. It's crazy what's happened. We've actually we came across an article the other day where the editors at Bartlett's, you know, the quote, mm-hmm. the quotables, yeah. they're having trouble keeping up with the quotations because there's so people are just running their gums too much now. So the people wow. who is to quote the world's most uh, sort of salient points are, are are working overtime because there's there's too many channels. There's too many people saying shit. They're being over memed. They're being over memed. We're drowning in it. Yeah. And for you guys, I think one of the other just to talk about the forum, the podcasting forum, right, which is um, that idea that like you can find this information. How, like you said, you can find this stuff and share it with people. And they're not experts, but most people don't know this stuff. They didn't know about it, you know, or they knew a little bit about it. And it's like, well, we're going to kind of fill in the blanks. But for you guys, I think the other important element of it is you're picking a topic. And and that's really just in improv terms, your monologue, right? Like you guys are both brilliant improvisers. And so this is just the raw fuel that you guys sort of or the raw meat or whatever that you throw in. And then the way you turn that into a scene into a world into a into a legitimate discussion i think is is part of the you know is part of the magic of like how are they going to make something out of this because obviously the more stupid and banal it is the funnier it is when you do find yourself feeling real feelings about it i would think you know it's really funny you draw the improv parallel because i remember doing mark and i doing a panel together and it was just a q a and we were talking about improvising with one another. And I and I said, I always feel like when I'm improvising with Mark that I'm like, I feel I, like notoriously in my own head, I feel lost every time I'm improvising. Like I'm not, I don't, not 100% sure where I am or what's going on. So when Mark and I are improvising, I always say I'm throwing bricks at him and he's grabbing them like a cartoon <laughs> octopus and turning them into a house. <laughs> so like Mark is so good at structure and that's something he brings to everything that we do. He wants a structure to it. So he, mm-hmm. he knows where we're going and I'm, I'm happy to just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks to it. But, but, and then Mark's answer to it was how makes good bricks. So I, I hope for my part of it, like I, I always want to, I come from, I like that visceral feeling and it, and it stays true to what the the premise is to me. If I come at these subjective things from a really subjective place, like mm-hmm. I have feelings about it and I'm willing to go to the mat for that. But, and then whatever the decision is, we're going to hold everybody to it. So we're yeah. imposing, we're imposing the will of whatever percentage of people agree with the answer on everybody else, which is such a, a dumb, ridiculous thing. And it's, I think it, kind of bears out in the fact that our audience is in general way smarter than we are. Yeah. Like they when we had a federal judge tell us that she listened to the show and liked it, <laughs> I was like, you are, we are fake judges. <laughs> you are an actual federal judge who does important yeah. things. We're talking about peanut butter, whether it should be creamy or chunky, like this is, but 
it's funny you mentioned that how because I've looked at it the same way, but with as far as structure and then you bringing the good bricks to it is I feel like sometimes like it's color man versus or not versus but color man and play by play where mm -hmm. I'm the Joe Buck of it who I've come in with. I've got Kate's research in front of me. I've got a way that I want to organize the episode and Hal just uses these as launching off points uh, for different things. I do. I it's funny. Uh, I find myself trying to actually you said how you, you were like, I'm completely subjective. Like I mm -hmm. and then at the end we pick it and 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 then everybody has to abide by it. I am. My goal is to actually legitimately find an objective answer to each of these questions that we pose on the show. And one thing that I find fun is when I I'll, I'll say, you know, I've got my subjective opinion about this thing, but I'm looking at actual facts and changing my mind. And those are the episodes I really like where my subjective opinion. We did one episode in particular that um, we talked about. Should, it was uh, should you recline your seat on an airplane was the episode. <laughs> That's and a, that's a very divisive topic. It really is. And I was always on team. Yeah, it's my seat. I can recline it if I want. And by the end of the episode, looking at all of the looking at it from as many different angles as we could, I ended the episode with I'm not going to recline my seat or at the very least, I'm going to ask the person behind me if they mind if I recline my seat. And that came out of trying to objectively answer that question. So let's let's talk about that. What is what? This is what you're doing again weekly. So mm -hmm. what what makes something better than the other? What's the criteria? I, it it evolves. It depends on what we're discussing. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's if it's types of bread, it could be how flexible is it? Is it good as as toast and as a, and as a bit of a sandwich? Is it good as French toast as well? Um, it could be ingredients for for films. It could be anything from critical reception to financial success to to our subjective determination of how good it like the elements of it like how mm -hmm. good are the characters versus the plot the memorable moments so we get to sort of you know we we you can't ap apply the same set of standards yeah to to films as you do to uh pasta shapes it just doesn't work yeah I think figure out like what what you like about each thing, what what makes each of them objectively or subjectively good to people, and then start using that to either eliminate or hold up uh, examples of of winners or losers. How often do y'all have stuff in mind going into it? How often are you like this like we know what, what the I winner believe. is going to be? No, like, you know what you think about a thing and you feel really strongly about it versus going into being like, I'm not sure I know. Or is it that you always pick stuff that you do have some kind of nascent opinion on at least? I think we pick stuff that we're both interested in. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to say that I tend to, I tend to have fewer of those occasions than Hal where... Uh, where the episode begins right before we start recording. It's, well, I know what the correct answer is. We'll see if you get it right. Like, which is fun for That's, me. Hold on. That's, this is a, this is a, uh, this is serious journalism. That's a mischaracterization. I, there, That's are definitely true. Times, <laughs> there are definitely times I go in going, I think I know what the answer, like, I, yeah. I think I know. And that's partially how I feel about it. 
and me guessing like, oh, I think Mark's going to agree with me on it. And there are times yeah. where we agree 100%. And there are times where, where we're both shocked that we're far apart. Hmm. But I, but for me, it's like maybe half. I have to either be really passionate about it or really curious about it. Mm-hmm. Like either either I'm in the in the trenches of this battle or I'm I'm looking at it going like, gee, why do people feel so strong? Like, what is it about? What is it about putting beans or not putting beans in chili that that people have such strong opinions about? Mm-hmm. Something that seems so innocuous, but people will have a knockdown drag out over it. Why is that? It's fascinating to me because I like it both ways. So let's try and figure it out together. You can't, you can't like um, call something chili without beans in it, though. I mean, that's we're not going to. That's, gonna I, that's pretty. That's not what the show. <laughs> first of chili, the original chili had no beans in it. So if you what? go to Texas and you put beans yeah. in chili, yeah. you will get as kindly escorted out of the state if you're lucky. There is a song that we that did you find it or did Kate? Somebody found this song from the 1800s. It's like an old folk cowboy tune called okay. If You Know Beans About Chili, Then You Know Chili Ain't Got No Beans is the name of the song. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. The, and these are the kinds of things we find out in this. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's so fun about it. And like, I wonder what it's kind of cool because you're doing also it. I think it's like very sneakily brilliant, right? Because you guys are doing Thanks. this. Uh, it's yeah. not obviously brilliant. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> what you're doing seems moronic. Oh, Unless you look at it, you walk yeah. away. Then you yeah. gotta yeah. look. No, yeah. I'm. I yeah. really mean that because <laughs> yeah, what you're kind of doing and it is modeling kind of like healthy discourse, right? In a fun way. And that's the goal. It, you're sort. You're showing your work. What do you guys think people like about the show? You have federal judges. You have people who have legitimate expertise in all of these areas and they want to hear people who don't necessarily have that expertise talk about stuff so what do you think that's about what's been the feedback that you've gotten i i think part of it is is uh you you talk about modeling sort of how to have discourse and how to argue with one another and i think that the reason why people like there are people who get who have their own experience with seeing people fight and it makes them uncomfortable and they don't like mm-hmm. episodes where we fight but part of what we always do is come to a consensus and i think our, our the way we as dumb as it like it doesn't feel like we're doing it right it never feels like we're like we're dissecting anything correctly but we've we have federal judges we've also had people who teach debate at the at the high school i think in college level it was like i play episode like we like i've talked to classes Mm-hmm. For people who listen to the show, show like like how do you build an argument? They, there was a there was so a I we think- got this at uh, Johns Hopkins. There was a class uh, that a friend of mine who's a professor there taught, where she had her class. One of the assignments was do uh, an episode of We Got This with someone else in the class. Yeah, uh, amazing. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, amazing. It's, I, I think it's 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 a safe argument, and right now, for the last. I mean, it's. I think it's naive to say it's. It started in 2016. I think you go back to 2000 and even earlier than that. Yeah. To people like it's not. Arguments aren't. There's no safety in argument anymore. Mm. It's. It's you are situated oftentimes, especially with serious arguments against people who you may love or have regard for that that to your way of thinking are so so far afield from what you feel is is right and just. That it's almost impossible to have the conversation without, without getting upset. 
mm-hmm. but there's a, a, a like a little release valve, a little steam release valve to arguing over pizza toppings where it doesn't matter. Like nothing else about Mark and I, we're, we purposefully don't really talk about politics. We don't talk about religion because those are the things that people like. Th- those are the heavy decisions. These are yeah. the dumb ones that we can. Yeah. Whatever, whatever upset we have over it is it is like fun, and we're all in it together. It's there's there's a, a collaborative nature to it, not only for us recording it, but I think for people listening to it too. That there's a feeling of participation, like they're in the room, and that's that's the that's the goal I've had day one. It's like I want them to feel like they're part of it. And we do have a room that uh, I would like to point out that Hal set up, which is our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a we got this Facebook group, which is re- it really is. It, it has become a bunch of people who all at least have one thing in common, which is the show. Uh, like Hal said, they're all smarter than we are, but it really is a room to go in and sit down and to practice arguments and rhetoric and all of these things like in a in a safe space where mm-hmm. nobody is going to come at each other's throats personally. Uh, and people do kind of play along with the game of, look, I have a subjective opinion about this, but I'm going to try to look at this thing objectively mm-hmm. and to have practice doing that and a place to practice that I think is fun. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like a, it's like a nerf fight. Exactly. It's yes. a nerf fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it's LARPing exactly. for issues. Yeah. It's LARPing. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Debate LARPing. I like that. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, the show works partly too because there's these two social tensions that we're dealing with right on the one hand this ongoing conversation about the death of the authority right the idea that you know steve bannon in 2018 famously said you know how you deal with the media is flooding the zone with shit putting so much information out there that no one knows what's real anymore it also worked for russia um and that idea that like how do you trust anything like there's a story over here that contradicts that one and so you know that's the one hand right there's just so much information and we are more and more getting away from believing experts believing people who have knowledge of this stuff Um, and then on the other hand you have this growing intolerance toward having those sort of debates like facing somebody you disagree with that happens on both the left and the right i mean everybody's sort of developed an allergy to that and so and so y'all sort of address that in in this really wonderful satirical way where you're like, we're the experts, but we're also going to discuss it. Uh, and if we get mad about it, you know, it really matters, even though it, it sort of doesn't. Do you guys think that it's that, and this is, I guess in doing this, it's, I've, I've, you know, we've done 400 episodes now. It doesn't seem that difficult to find actual facts. It seems like not being able to find actual facts is a willful choice. I totally agree that it's if you want to find the facts, you can you can get them. And maybe that's the problem is, is that you can Google anything to support an opinion you have. And there's a blog about it somewhere that matches your worldview. And that's like a I don't think I don't know if anybody really saw that coming when all of a sudden we like fully just face planted into this information age well and all the social networks and all the search engines also are designed that way like if you search for a key term and somebody else does you're going to be presented with two totally different versions of reality because that's the advantageous thing for google or whoever 
So everybody's sort of trapped in their things. You have to sort of spend time to get out of it. I mean, you have to research it, you know, even if it is rudimentary. I remember when when blogging became really, really big, like 2008, 2009, 2010, where it was like everybody was expressing their voice. And it was a, a phrase that was that seemed to be taking foothold then was like the rise of the citizen journalist, which is kind of a like they're not that's not. <laughs> like journalists are trained people they're trained mm-hmm. to go find information they're trained to to root things out and 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 separate the fact from fiction so just somebody who has a publishing platform which is great i i love that that anybody who wants a voice in the in this digital hellscape has it but you know i we we i think we we're fast and loose with what that meant i, I remember going to a screening for Avengers End. I got to go to a press screening at Disney. I was so excited. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a bunch of... I got to go with uh, a friend of mine who was a host at SiriusXM. So she's actually like, it would make sense that she's there. And then I go and it felt like I was at Comic-Con. There were people in full costumes. It was like a fan screening because they all had some influence, be it through an Instagram account or a YouTube channel. So those are people who, for Disney, obviously they want these people to be talking about them, but it didn't feel like like, oh, this isn't a critic screening or for the press to really talk about it. That that uh, maybe that's dead. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think we're seeing how unbelievably dangerous that is. Right. Is that there, yeah. that, that that suddenly you can c- conflate a fact with an opinion because the delivery method appears identical. Right. And so we mm-hmm. see that in a lot of right wing media. Mm-hmm. Um, that are just they're totally down to just create their own reality. That's such a huge part of it, too, is you can call yourself whatever you want. I get yeah. I have family members that will send me, you know, things, articles and things that look like facts and they look like news stories. But it's just because there is either a bug in the corner of a video with uh, a Statue of Liberty or, <laughs> yeah, a, or a or a letterhead with an American flag. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and they're like, "Oh, well, this must be." And it's a and it this must be the news. Look, it's it looks like the news. Yeah, they're at a desk. There's a little Chiron in right. the corner that's red, white, and blue, suit and tie. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's all those artifacts of what we think of as legitimate journalism. Like we're all still trained on that, even though, you know, I mean, journalism itself is not that old. It just happens to be older than anybody who's alive today. But like modern journalism has this kind of shape and you have the, you know, with the internet, you have pages that look like newspaper pages, even though it's online now, like it maintains that. Um, It feels like online publications that are legit are somehow aiding and abetting all this bullshit via those, you know, Outbrain. It's like the the yes. ad service companies. Mm-hmm, that yeah. Basically, they sell space at the bottom of these websites where it's like, you won't believe what person from different strokes looks like today or whatever like yeah. that. Yeah. But they <clears throat> they purposefully design the thumbnail images that are the same dim- dimensions as the mm-hmm. news stories. But it's all just it's bullshit. It's it, it's weird referral content marketing for like you know vitamins and stuff and they'll have the word ad against a white background in the faintest gray but they're selling ad they're they're uh, cnn is allowing them to do that there so i think that 
like everybody's a little bit guilty and there's a greater need now more than ever for uh media training and media literacy i think that needs to be part of like serious curriculum from a very young age to be able to do that because we're entering into a world that that is truly kind of unprecedented with what's out there and fiction posing as facts and all that. I don't know. There's got to be an acronym, right? There's got to be an acronym for kids to ask themselves when they see a story like just we learned stop, drop stop. and roll as kids. <laughs> like, what's the like uh, like like the some version of how to vet a thing, even mm. even at a young age to be able like, where did it come from? Who benefits by saying mm -hmm. it this way? You yeah. know what I mean? Like. Totally. I don't know. I don't know the I don't know the condensed down version of that. Let's it's, fix media literacy like yeah. next week. Kids, remember Whitfit. Who the fuck is that? If you ask yourself that, then you're going to be but this is part of the problem, right? Yeah, everywhere yeah. on the internet, everywhere you go to to get anything is like standing in the middle of Times Square with eight million people around you all shouting at you at the top of their lungs. So CNN, New York Times, anybody who's who who is relying on web traffic they have to have deceptive headlines to get you to click from from wherever whatever spoke they're on to their hub then they're trying yeah. to monetize that hub either yeah. through like a plus subscription where you get uh ad free or different ads or mm. that that like outbrain to bully kind of uh ad uh, affiliate link space like yeah it's just it's all I mean, I guess it's always been really like it's a money making enterprise. There's totally. a money making enterprise to it. So, yeah. you know, we don't we just don't have the trusted. There are no trusted figures. In it. Like Dan Rather's out there at 300 years old, like sounding <laughs> the klaxon about like the death of democracy. We're like, they're like that old dude is hella sus. Like there's no, he does, like there's no, he used to mean some remember. Yeah. What well, he, he was from the era when it was, when like the news end. was a loss leader, right? News wasn't part of the uh, money making end. It was yeah. like a service. Totally. And he comes from that version. And we and also I, I, I'm aware that I'm like, oh, you know, the, take a trusted news sources, CNN. I'm not saying that that's like the paragon of <laughs> right. like objective right. reporting or anything, but sure. it just goes to show that it, it very legitimate places kind of play this game because they need to make that money. And I think, right. you know, an, another thing going back to sort of um, things that we dig about your show is there is this element of showing your work right like mm -hmm. it's having an argument but showing the mechanics of an argument and that's similar to what brandon and i set out to do with journos is like part of it is about not just you know doing news stories and doing insights but kind of trying to show our work in terms of how we go about thinking about a story or how we go about taking a story and contextualizing it to some larger zeitgeist and seeing how news really does connect if you're looking at things it, with a really wide angle lens. Can I say uh, something real quick about that? Yeah. Uh, uh, it does not go unnoticed and it is much appreciated as, like I said, as a fan of the show, uh, I like that you're like, this is where I read this. This is the, what it came from. This is the context for this bit of information that I'm about to give you. Here's how you can know that it's information and not an opinion. And I respect and love that you guys do that. Oh man. Thank yeah. you. I mean, and also the fun there, like we have an episode we're working on. Well, I guess they all kind of are like that, but sometimes you'll have something where it's like, we need to see the whole swath of like, what's the far right saying about this topic? What does their headline look like? And how is it different from MSNBC or whatever? And then you sort of can calibrate, like, where's the culture's head at? 
Um, and so that's why it's always helpful to, to be like, you know, in this case, weirdly, I agree with the Breitbart headline, uh, which happened in a weird way. It was still like a sensational headline, but like the, there was like a certain poetry to it um, w- that actually revealed a deeper truth. So uh, 400 episodes, that's yeah. not nothing. How many no. years have y'all been doing this again? We started in 2015, the spring wow. of 2015. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's a lot of chit chat. What What have you sort of learned throughout this process of building this show? You know, about what it means to be a conversationalist. What does it mean to kind of take a topic and just like totally blow it up and totally dive deep into it and really try to entangle it? Like, are you a better conversationalist as a result of this? Um, I I think I'm more curious as a conversationalist. And I think that that what I've learned about our approach is the like the more sterile and academic we are about it, the less fun it is. Like you can't force discourse. You can't put two people in a room and say, figure this out. You're gonna figure this out right now and have them do it and and for the sake of entertainment, have it really be entertaining. Like it's the the joy is in connecting and talking to another person. And I think when you when you explore and sort of sit in in that in that joy, which it is, especially the last two years, like to connect with someone and talk to them means means even more. So that that's that to me is like when it's at its best. And I try to think about that just in any conversation I have off of you know, there doesn't need to be a microphone in, in front of my face to to remember that and and try to stay rooted in that. And I think it's just a better way to to live. I like that a lot. I mean, I think that's part of the the whole fun of all of this too. I mean, definitely I mean, Brandon and I started this show in the middle of the pandemic too. We 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 do this and I mean now he's one of my, you know, closer friends. As a result of just like coming up hopping on a Zoom call and like shooting the shit, right? I think certainly there's closer really acquaintances. There. You think we're pretty I think <laughs> We are like coworkers, but like really, <laughs> like like you're like my work bestie, if that makes yeah. sense. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, you're yeah. inches away from learning each other's last names. It's yeah, crazy. we're almost there. His well, his yeah. dog's name. It, it, I named my son after his dog Jasper. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so we've also invited you here for a reason, a very very special reason. What? Yes, believe it or not, Stephen and I have got a new feature that we're going to launch. We thought about the idea of, and one of the themes of this show is how many different forms can journalism take? The industry itself is on its decline, but the skill sets need to survive and need to be turned into other things. So and we now, thought, well, well, also, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to jump in, but now you have to picture Brandon on like a big stage with a big blue background. He's He has a little headset microphone yeah, yeah. and he's going to, tell you that you've been thinking about podcasting all wrong yeah Ooh. <laughs> you have to buy something uh, we are journos and so we are launching what we are calling journos as a service which is a fun startup term essentially the idea being we'll do journos type work for other folks for podcasts for stray dogs for random individuals for people who are interested in getting to the bottom of something who better fellas than you guys 
to inflict ourselves upon uh, for this inaugural effort <laughs> because you guys have so many questions and maybe there's something you need help with. And so uh, we want to work with you on something. We want to research something for you, help you figure out the objective truth of a thing. I love that. We, yeah, we'll take I, it. I do have something. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. This is... Uh, I, I recently saw the movie... Uh, confess Fletch the re the not reboot but the new Fletch with John Hamm I mm-hmm. loved it it's, I'm sad more people aren't talking about it because it. it was yeah. they didn't they either didn't love it or didn't see it I feel like they didn't see it <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you see it you you're gonna be charmed a little bit and that led me to let me go look back at the original Fletch and I got the thing that struck me about it more than than Chevy Chase's just ability to disappear behind a wig is <laughs> the music of, of Harold Faltermeyer. And it didn't sure. occur to me like I, I you know a lot of a lot of music in different eras sounds the same. So you have all these different film scores and stuff that sound similar to each other. I was like, this does sound like I I the music sticks with me more than anything. And then I was looking at Harold Faltermeyer and then I see, oh he did Axel F. Yeah. Axel F also iconic piece of, of 80s film music. Then he also did the Top Gun, that yep. Top Gun theme. And it occurred to me like, oh, this guy's got a deeper bag than I was ever aware of. And I, I think it I think it's like kind of fits in our show to this is like the most minutia of minutia taking the work of Harold Faltermeyer. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people know his name. Yeah. Like if you know, you know, but yeah, I no, now know like, his name. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to like, I want to try to figure out what his best work is. I know there's more beyond those three. I th- in fact, I think he, I- I'm sure I'm wrong. I think he won an award or like had he's, I know he's continually working. He's been working for a long time. So I'd like to sort of explore his work and, and sort of see what his best song is, but also I kind of want to understand why, like, why does it, why it sticks, why his music sticks with me the way it does. That's a great topic. And did you know that I, as a very young child, knew Harold Faltermeyer? He was the first no. musician Wait, that what? I liked. He was yeah, your first was favorite he? musician? Yeah, like Axel F. When I had no taste in music, or I didn't know, I got a tape of like 80s soundtracks for stuff, and Axel F came on, and it like showed me that music could be a thing that people liked. <laughs> and I listened to <laughs> the fuck out of it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So he's been, a, he's been an object of great fascination and mystery for me ever since. So we'll do a little bit about everything, don't we? Yeah. Well, I had a very stunted cultural childhood because I didn't like stuff. And then I guess. And then you liked. uh, And then you liked that one song. Loved it. it. Yeah. So, you know, but that doesn't mean that I will let my bias dominate. If we've learned nothing from the last, you know, 45 minutes of conversation, that would be something to keep in mind. I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm excited to go deep on Harold F. They brought him back on for the new Top Gun too, right? Yeah, yeah. Though they at least used his theme, it was still back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, fellas. So we'll go to work on this, and when we meet again, I suppose it'll be on your show, uh, and we'll tell you what we learned. You have a lovely home. Next time, come to our place. Yes, please come over (laughs) and look for you. Help us settle it. Yeah, well, you're 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 going to apply actual real world world journalistic integrity to this, and that then feels we'll, so re- weird. Come into the octagon, <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll debase you. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Down to our level of of quibbling. It's kind of like the Jetsons going to the, the to go into the Flintstones, yeah. which I still don't understand. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. None. <laughs> All right, fellas. Uh, thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to you about these and other things. Oh, man, this you guys is, are the best. Uh, we Got This with Mark and Hal, Mark Gagliardi, Hal Lublin. And so if you, the listener, have a question, a mystery, something that's unresolved that might require a keen investigative eye for yourself or for another podcast that you know about, let us know. Reach out to us. Email us at journos at journos.net. Let us know what the mystery is. We're here to help. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. And I'm Steven Jackson. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>